Welcome to the Grindhead Podcast, Episode 7. My name is Grindhead Jim. Today we're talking about holiday memories. Um, I'm 40 years old this year, right? And I have seen a lot of holidays, you know, at Christmas time. Um, my family celebrated Christmas. I, I had friends of all religions and faith growing up, but I only ever actually celebrated Christmas or a version of it, um, you know, throughout my life because it's just kind of how I was brought up. So it is going to be talking about that. I want to front load this entire th- show by saying whatever you choose or choose not to celebrate, you are right. And I hope you have a great winter, whether it's a solstice or a Christmas or a Kwanzaa, a Hanukkah, Ramadan, whatever. Whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate, even if you just buy yourself a shitload of presents and overdose on beer. Although overdose isn't really a word for beer. But the point being, celebrate yourself, celebrate your loved ones, have a good time. So I will use the word Christmas here. Uh, it is not to downplay any other holiday, just what I celebrated as a kid. Okay, so, you know, I, I have a very few memories prior to, like, the early 80s. I was born in 1977. Uh, the day before Star Wars came out in the U.S., uh, which was May 24th. And it's something that is always odd to me. Like, the first memory that I have a- any recollection of is being carried into a foyer, which I at first thought was, like, my aunt's foyer that she has in her home. Uh, later, thinking of the memory, it wasn't the same place, but it was a similar thing. You walk in... And you've got like a coat rack here, and there's like some kind of like shoulder level shelving or like some kind of separator to go into the the house, which was very big in the seventies and eighties. And um, I remember the TV being on, and I think the Hulk was on, but I know it wasn't because I remember having a, a, a memory later of the Incredible Hulk being on television and, and backing up into some stairs and shit. So like that's my earliest memory, but so my, my earliest. Uh, holiday memories are going to be around 1980, 81, somewhere in there. Before, the, whatever year, I think E.T. came out in 82, so it be the year before that. The reason I know that is that my grandparents got an Atari, uh, and they didn't have E.T. Because it hadn't come out yet. And uh, a year later is when we all got ColecoVisions. So, and I know that's weird, but like... The the holiday before, which was either 80 or 81, I want to say 81, um, I got, the, there's these things called stompers. I don't know how many of you might remember this. But they were motorized little SUVs. They had these foam tires on them, right? They helped keep them bouncy. And they had these plastic tracks, and you could, like, put them together in different ways, and it'd be like, boom, do, 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 do. So it was like having, like, these off-roading... Um, things it, it was quite odd for sure and i really i had a lot of them when i was a kid and um it, it was one of those those deals that like if you weren't there like it won't mean a whole lot to you just motorized little suvs and stuff but as a kid getting you know a couple of those every you know round of gifts whether it was your birthday or your um you know uh Christmas, whatever, 
Um, it was something that, for a while there, that was like a, a cool, small gift that you could be given that would was just a ton of fun, you know, because back then there was a, a variety of things, more so um, than, than uh, maybe today. Now, granted, I don't, I'm not really up on toys today, but as a kid, that's like your whole world is like what you were into. Like, because I was heavily into like Masters of the Universe, He-Man, I was into Star Wars, which there wasn't that much out. Not really. There was a small kind of... Uh, bubble bubble of uh of of toys and merchandise and it was kind of hard to come by and that's true of everything really i remember when i was a kid um like spider-man and the hulk i had a matching pair of shorts and a shirt like the ringer kind with like the red around the collar and the collar of the the sleeves and there's a white shirt spider-man on it and then one i had the hulk with green and stuff and I had those, and I remember when I was a kid growing out of them being really distraught because I knew I wasn't going to be able to get more stuff. Like, there was this weird boom of merchandise and toys in the 70s, like with the Migos and stuff like that, and then they just stopped. And you didn't get to see a whole lot of stuff. So it was... It was I, I really kind of equate uh, certain gifts and certain memories and certain types of toys to... Um, uh, certain childhood memories which are you know and that's why i'm kind of going into all this detail because it's something that i find really really interesting um so i remember I got a lot of those uh stompers um i think that's when i got the track as well um i got some gi joe stuff if i'm not mistaken um i might have gotten some he-man stuff at the time which would make sense actually now that i think about it because uh, i always got some right um I'm trying to remember the year I got Castle Grayskull because we were in Ohio. That had to have been like 82, though. Because 81, I would have been only like four. I wouldn't have cared that much. It's not that I remember, anyway. Um, so, and the house we lived in uh, in Ohio was interesting uh, because if you go in, if you went into the house, I can't believe I remember this. This is so cool. Like, like the, 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 to actually have this memory, like, that's the coolest thing for me about doing this show right now is that I have all these memories. And if you walk into the house, if you visualize with me, it's kind of an open space. To your right is a living room, and there's a wall that separates the living room from the kitchen. But straight ahead of you, the whole width of that spanse, not counting the living room, is just this big hallway, basically. And you have the dining room ahead of you. And then to your left, just as you hit the dining room, there's stairs that go up, and there's stairs that go down, like a split entry. But it's not a split entry, because you're not in a split entry. You're not really. The basement steps go into uh, what is the, uh, the, the family room, the den, if you will. The stairs go up to the bedrooms. There's three bedrooms. One for me, one for my sister, one for my parents. And a bathroom up there, right? And what I loved about this house, and I've never seen a layout like this before or since, and if I did, I don't remember what before, but um, when you, and this, was, this plays into the Christmas thing. So if you went into what my father called the utility room, there was like the laundry area, there was the furnace and all that shit, then there was like shelving. You know, it kept like, not a pantry necessarily, but there were some supplies and whatever. And you'd walk in, it'd be like two steps up, and now you're in the garage which is perpendicular to the front of the house. So if you're looking overhead, here's the front door of the house you walk in. Here's the garage here. So you're like walking 
it's really it was a really cool uh house and i i miss that house a lot because it's just so different i haven't seen a house like that <coughs> so when dad would put together uh toys and whatnot he would always put the boxes or like the refuse in the utility room it never i never put two and two together not really um Although I have a vivid memory of the Castle Grayskull box in that room. Never occurred to me, you know, that it was fucking, um, it just never, ever, ever occurred to me that that was like him doing that. So crazy. Oh, wait a second. I know what happened. I know what happened. It's the same thing that always happens. knew it was a problem. <laughs> I gotta remember. Folks, a public service announcement interrupting this podcast. If you own an Amazon uh, Alexa Echo Dot or Echo of any kind, and you use Spotify with it, make sure when you go to your computer that you set to listen back on that machine. Because the music that was playing from Spotify was playing in my living room. And I was like, I can hear it, but it's quiet. Fuck, what the hell's going on? So just remember that. It's very easy to do. You can control it from your phone or from the computer easily. You don't even have to go out there. It just, it just does it. It's a really cool feature, but if you forget to do it, it can be embarrassing. So I remember, like, the Castle Grayskull box being there. I remember uh, my parents had this, like, especially my father, had a, a real knack for presentation with gifts, right? Dad was this guy that, like, he would always make it a point to like present the gift to you in such a way that was very not necessarily unique, but it was very showcasey, right? It made it look like Santa Claus, to be honest with you. A lot of times he'd have the 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 box for the item, and then they have the item in front of it all put together and everything, so it looked like it was on display at a, at a toy uh, store or something, which was amazing. Zerlius, thank you for uh, for saying hello, and thank you for the bits. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas. Um, so it would be like a, like a much bigger spectacle that way. You know, my parents are really cool about that. And uh, so, you know, I got the Stompers, I got some He-Man toys, and certainly some Star Wars stuff. Like, a lot of Star Wars stuff was had in that house. Because you figure... Um, you know, we lived there from 1980, the year that Empire released, up until 84, like summer of 84, which was the year after Return of the Jedi had come out. So we had most Christmases in the Star original Star Wars universe uh, in that house. So all, all my Star Wars stuff, I would say all of my Star Wars stuff, pretty much, I'd gotten in that house on one level or another. Um, and unless I got something at like a, uh, yard sale or something, uh, later. So, you know, and you're a little kid, you don't care about stuff that much. I mean, you do, but you don't, like, you don't really appreciate it. It's just, you know, ooh, cool toys. Um, so I, you know, I got, got Castle Grayskull, I got the, and here's an interesting thing about that particular toy. A lot of kids had Castle Grayskull. It was a it was a status to a certain degree. Like if you had a lot of He Man toys, but you didn't have Castle Grayskull, it was like you weren't really a fan, right? Um, so again, total tangent, but I'm gonna go off here. 
Um, I remember a lot of the Castle Grayskull toys. Some of them were very well painted. I got one of the, like, you know, because different lines of toys, you could always tell the first run stuff because it was really well done. And then later lines, because demand would rise, the quality would kind of go down, which was an odd thing to consider. But I saw evidence of this all the time. So I got Castle Grayskull the year it came out, and it was perfect contrast. Like, the skull uh, had, like, the right darkness and shadows where the eye sockets were, and it really had a lot of detail to it. I remember thinking how cool it was and, and how textured and detailed it was. And then a couple years later, I went over to a friend's house, and he had it, and he had only had it, like, a year, year and a half. So his was newer than mine, but there was no contrast. The paint looked kind of shitty. Like, it wasn't one color or anything, but it just you could tell. They had changed the paint, or they changed the plastic, or they changed the way they painted, or something. It just didn't look the same. And I was like, even as a kid, I was like, the fuck is this shit? You know, it, little things you notice, right? Um, you know, so I had all the He-Man toys. I had a lot of Star Wars stuff. There was always certain ones I could never get my hands on. Like, for some reason, my parents didn't never wanted me to have the AT-AT Walker. And I only ever saw one in person once. Um... It was also the first, and seeing one of those in person was also the first time I saw a drum set in person. Uh, and that was in 1984. We slept overnight at a friend's house before we moved out of the area to go to Virginia, which is a good segue. Um, actually, no, I'll, I'll rewind. We got a ColecoVision in 1982. And ColecoVision, for those of you that don't know, was a direct competitor to the Atari uh, 2600 and was way better in a lot of ways. The controllers were kind of odd, had had some like Pac-Man clones and stuff like Ladybug, which my mother loved to play. It came, it came packaged with Donkey Kong, which was a great game. Um, and that was like a centerpiece for our living room for a long time. Like ColecoVision was like the shit. Um, it was really cool to have. And... Uh, the ColecoVision that we got that year remained in my parents' house until after my mother died. And I was supposed to get it. And uh, short version, someone stole it uh, before we had a chance to actually, um, you know, pack everything properly and stuff. I won't go into details, but the short version being that I don't have that ColecoVision um, or any of the games or anything with it. Um, which is a real shame because it was in great condition. I, I could have hooked it up, done. They hung on to it. Um, but that was a cool thing. Like, we got one, my aunt and uncle got one, So and then my, my grandparents had the Atari. So no matter where we were spending any given holiday or any time, there was a video game to be played. Um, and it felt cool. It was, it was really where, like, I started coming into my own as a person. Like, um, you know, and I think that if you analyze holidays and 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 what you ask for what you get and you know these things they they really do kind of help shape your personality you start to remember things you start to remember like when you started believing in who you were and there's a lot of that in these stories so i realize i'm just going on a list of things that i got and how i felt and stuff like that but you know holidays especially around you know family oriented ones like christmas and, and and so forth those for me tend to be pretty poignant memories you know um, so we look at, you know, 1980, we'll, we'll, well, 83, I think was just more of the same. 
Uh, we got a lot of those games. And that's the thing, is that there were games we got for ourselves, and there was games that my, my parents got for them themselves. It was kind of neat. Um, uh, this, there was a Star Wars Polygon game called Star Wars the Arcade Game, which was great. And I loved that game so much. Uh, but fast forward to, like, you know, 84, when we moved to Virginia. My dad changed duty stations. So we went from Cleveland, Ohio area down to, like, the Norfolk, Chesapeake Bay uh, Newport News, Hampton area, where we lived for four years. And when we lived there, uh, those were some of the best Christmases I'll ever have uh, in terms of memories. Um, basically, like, the best Christmases I had were, like, in when my dad was still um, in the service. Um, and I think that's just because of the time in our lives that it was, and he had so much fun with making it a spectacle and making it something cool. And I had some really, 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 really great Christmases after that. But it's not the same when you're a ki- when you're not a kid anymore. It's close, but it's never quite the same. So 84, I've been building up to this one. This was a very, very important Christmas for me, um, as weird as it sounds. That year, there was uh, a line of superhero toys that had come out from Kenner. It was called the Superpowers Collection. And it was like a big step up in terms of like they had muscle tone on these uh, figures. Like if you you could squeeze their legs together uh, or their arms together and like either their legs or their hand would move. There'd be, there'd be something they could do. They could actually like move. And they had a really good sculpt uh, quality for the time. Uh, and it was a whole line. And what was cool about that was that it was actually attainable. They called it a collection. So they were aiming at collectors and children at the same time. And I love that because, again, with it being attainable, it was something that was like, I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. So my parents got me almost the entire line that Christmas. They were able to. I don't know how. I don't know how much it cost them. Um, but they got me almost everything in the line, like the big stuff. So I got the Hall of Justice, which is this, you know, really big playset. I got, like, Superman, Batman, uh, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, um, Robin, Lex Luthor, you know, the list goes on. Like, it was almost almost every figure. Uh, And they confided that the only reason they didn't get the other ones was because they couldn't find them. What was cool about it was that some of the, the vehicles came with this book that told you everything was in the collection. So they had a guide on everything they could get. And they tried really hard, apparently, to get everything. Because they were just like, this is attainable, this is something you really want, and this is something that... And my dad told me later, he said, they, well, they weren't kidding around with the collection thing. It was something that like, we knew might be worth something later, we knew you'd, you'd want it. Um, that's what my dad said then. They later sold me a yard sale. But that's not here, that's not for here, that's not, not for that. Um, but, you know, essentially, with... with that was such a huge deal. Like, he had the box. He'd laid out the Hall of Justice and Superman's, uh, the Supermobile, which had a battering ram, the Batmobile, Lex Luthor's jet that had these claws that would grab stuff. It was all laid out really, really ornately, and the figures were all laid out. And he left the figures in the boxes so I could open the boxes of those, but, like, the vehicles were out and put together, and the decals were on. It was really cool. Um, so, um... It was just such an interesting, like, I'd never seen anything like that before. Um, and he also got, they also got me, like, some Legos that year. So my dad and I built Legos together for the first time. And that bega- began this kind of, like, 
this began like my father and I doing things together, like with building things, which was something, and solving puzzles, which was something that he and I did as long as we lived together. You know, we would play, you know, uh, story puzzle games even into my teens. It was really cool. Um, so they got me all of that stuff, which was really, really cool. Um, and it was right around this time I started not only you know, being into the toys, but I liked taking care of them and keeping them presented nicely and stuff like that. And with with those things all kind of coming together, um, you know, you kind of get into like, so now you figure by now, 85, I'm I'm eight years old, which isn't that old, but you can start to like become a different person then, right? You figure by this time, I was well into elementary school. Um, even though I was, I had plenty of friends at school, there were still, I had some, I don't want to say enemies, but people that didn't particularly like me. I wasn't, um, I wouldn't say I wasn't well liked, but I wasn't well understood at this point. So I, I was very, like, I would play alone a lot, I'd, you know, have toys, I'd go upstairs, play, draw, whatever the case may be. Um, and that kind of influenced a lot of things about who I became. You fast forward a year to 85, which arguably, if you're a kid, there might have been a dip in the quality of, of the Christmas. Compared, but the thing is, though, if you look at 84, it was like this explosion of fucking toys, right? Um, 85, um, you know, that year I really wanted, um, I was really getting into comedy at that point. I was really into, like, frankly, Bill Cosby. I was really into him. I was into a couple other comics that uh, were around at the time. Um, there was music that I was listening to on the radio a lot, because we used to drive about a half hour each way to, like, the dentist and orthodontist and stuff like that a lot. So I would listen to the radio more, so, like, 80s pop was really getting into my head. Uh, it was this Also this year, I started getting introduced to things like Metallica and Anthrax and stuff. My parents didn't know that. Um, eight years old. Courtney Marsh, you know. Which, actually, no. 86 is when that came out. Uh, but, you know, but I really wanted a record player. I wanted a tape deck. And so I got one. It was really cool. They got me one in 85, and it was so big, they couldn't really wrap it, so my dad put it in a garbage bag with a you know ribbon on it, which I think might have been part of why I was kind of disappointed. But I also got my very first cassette tape that I ever got, my first record as well. I got the St. Emil's Fire soundtrack, and I got the Tears for Fears uh, album, Songs of the Big Chair, on tape. Those were my first ever deals. And then, but at the same time, I was still a kid. So by now, Transformers are a thing. So I'm getting a shitload of Transformers throughout the year. Like, they became a thing in 85. So I'd already had a few for, like, my birthday and whatnot. Voltron as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So you figure for my birthday in 85, I got the Black Lion, like, the center guy. So the whole year I'm playing with just the center of Voltron. Well, for Christmas, they got me all the other shit, like the arms and the legs. I had all the Voltron uh, arms and legs. I was a happier and a pig and shit. They also got me the vehicle Voltron, which, which had just come out. Like, the whole thing it was made by Matchbox. It was fucking ridiculous. They got me all that. They got me the stereo, the records, all that stuff. It was really cool. Hello, man-at-arms, and hello, Kool-Aid. How you guys doing? Welcome to the show. Um, so, uh, like, if you look at everything as, like, one gift, there was, like, a couple really big gifts there, and it was really cool. Um, 
So I had a bunch of Transformers. I'd gotten like Grimlock at that point. I already had the first run Optimus Prime and Soundwave and stuff that were like diecast and stuff. Um, so I had a lot of really cool stuff, but this was like, that stereo was like the beginning of something else. Because then my folks had, my folks had already been getting me um, these tapes called Little Thinker. You know, like 83 or so when they started. And they were kind of like choose your own adventure without the choosing part. They were adventures that put you in the story. And it was a cool narration. I'm not sure why I was so enthralled by these tapes, but they were tapes. I could listen to them. So by now, I was uh, really into that. Um, So like that year saw my first, you know, stereo at home. I got more tapes. I was getting like books on tape, like the... A lot of Transformers storybooks. I had the Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi by this point. Like the record, um, source of record. I have those over there, actually. I'm not sure where they're at, but they're in there. All three, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, uh, books on record. And they're in, like, pristine fucking condition. They're the original ones that I had when I was a kid. And I keep wanting to look them up on eBay to see how much I can get for them. But I'm like, nah, they're in such good shape, man. Um, and also, too, like, I've been considering, because they use different voice actors there, and the lines are a little bit different. So I always wonder, like, could I get some samples for, like, a record in there or something? You know, I don't know. So, like, basically, this kind of showed, like, it was, like, a different, it was a shift in tone. Like, it was no longer about this explosion of toys, necessarily, right? Um, and 86 was, it was a pretty cool year, because by then... Um, I was more heavily into music, got more tapes and stuff like that, but like the stage was kind of set. Like it wasn't like I graduated from little kid to kid and there was, there was stuff in there. I got my first bike, uh, in 85, I want to say as well, which, uh, oddly enough, I didn't learn to ride until 86 because my dad tried to teach me how to, to balance on a bike, and it, it, didn't, it didn't go so well. <laughs> I was a very top-heavy kid, just like now. And I had a hard time with it. My, it took my mother to, uh, to really go out there and say, look, I will teach you, because this is important to me, too. And she did, and it was awesome. And I started riding my bike fucking everywhere at that point. Um, you know, 86 was a cool year for me in general as a kid. Um, but, you know, by now there was a tradition in place. It was like, you knew you were going to wake up Christmas morning, go downstairs and there'd be like some cool shit. Like mom and dad were like on point with their fucking Christmas. Right. But we had more traditions by that point and stuff that, you know, not everyone does things the same way around the holidays. Right. And when we'd stay anywhere else for Christmas, it was not the fucking same. We would insist on certain things to a certain degree, but it wasn't always the same. Like, for example, like, especially when it was we were at home um we would have uh christmas eve was always a night where we would have what i often refer to as the christmas eve feast and my sister and mother latched onto that phrase like they always would bring that up for me in my you know later years saying oh remember that remember that remember that well, yeah but it was because and this is the coolest thing like at this point like I had found something small that I really enjoyed that only I liked and I was allowed to have and no one really messed with me. And <laughs> this is going to sound so silly, but 
I found out that I really dug ginger ale and high C fruit punch together. I still do. Or like fruit punch in general with like ginger ale or Sprite in it. Like, oh. You can get fruit punch soda and it's good, but it's not the same, dude. It is not the same. Um, and that was something I would have pretty much only around that time. It just became like a holiday thing uh, as a kid. And also, I, for some reason, I got really into the sociable crackers. And I honestly think it was because at some point there was a surplus of them. And they were like, Jim, if you want to have some of these, you can have as many as you want. And so I just started eating them and I realized I really liked them. So that like kind of became my thing. Like these two staples as a kid, which I still occasionally will eat. Like I don't eat sociables all the time. In fact, I probably will go out at some point today and I'll get myself some fucking fruit punch and shit. Like, why wouldn't I, right? Like, it's a tradition. I'm 40 years old. Like, why the fuck wouldn't I, right? So, um, but it was like this big deal. We would do that, and we would watch a movie. We would always watch a movie. It would be like later in the night, and we'd go to sleep, wake up, and all that shit. Um, and uh, I remember one year we watched, it was the year that we got uh, a, uh, a VCR. We watched Brewster's Millions on T. We'd rented that film. It was so cool. Love that movie. That was and like again, that's part of my Christmas, right? It's a big part of my Christmas memories. Um, you know, and then you fast forward a couple years, and you know, Lethal Weapon had come out, which I love. Lethal Weapon, and I consider it a Christmas film. I consider Die Hard a Christmas film because those are what I <coughs> associated with it right and um that was part of the tradition now as a family did we ever watch those films on christmas no that would became something that i made a tradition which i'll get into um you know and then you know i'll be honest the the years like 86 and 87 are kind of a blur because i don't remember them all that well but i do remember that those years 86 87 uh were very good to me um, these were like my fourth and fifth grade years. I was getting more friends. Uh, and, you know, to a degree, it was more of the same. More tapes, more records. Because I had a tape deck, you know, people were dubbing me stuff. I was getting more Metallica and more stuff like that. And eventually, Napalm Death in 87 when it came out. So I got into, you know, Napalm Death when I was like in fifth grade. And shit. <laughs> so, you know, we were like, why do you like Napalm Death so much? Because I've been listening to them for 30 fucking years. <laughs> That's why. Listen to them as long as they've been around, which is cool. Richard Pryor, man, dude. Richard Pryor in Brewster's Millions, man. Fucking just great film. And, you know, is it a holiday film? No, not really. But fuck, was it fun, man. It's fucking fun. Um, so we've got that. We got, like, um, you know, and my parents, like, they would get me, like, one year they got me a Walkman, and that Walkman broke, and then they got me one for my birthday and stuff. So, like, there was always, you know, uh, there was an emphasis on a few things. It was like this combination of like maintaining the status quo to a certain degree. And, uh, uh, you know, as far as like big leaps forward, there, there wouldn't be a whole lot. Um, but my parents always had really fucking great gift ideas, like always great ideas. Um, and they always presented them very, very well. And, uh, and other family members were always good for gifts as well, but they were usually well-informed by my parents. Um, 
so you figure 1988 is when we moved from the southern part of Virginia, like around Virginia Beach, Norfolk, we moved up to Woodbridge, Stafford, Alexandria, which is considered a suburb of Washington, D.C., but really it's just like, you know, 45 minutes south of Washington, D.C. Dad had a gig up there, uh, again, still in the military and whatnot. Um, so now we're in a totally different environment. At this point, I'm in middle school. At this point, um, now I don't have any friends. Not really. I've got like a handful of, of, of kids that I kind of got to know. Um, and the best part of it is like I went through this whole school year knowing I'd only be in that school for one year. Because the zoning was getting changed at the end of the year and I'd be moving to a different school. So it seemed like so much... Um, Wasted effort, if you will, okay? And yet, that year I had gotten in, in 88 my, my first girlfriend, my first kiss, right? Right? Um, go me. And, um... But it still felt like, like, 88 in general was kind of a year where I was like, eh. Wasn't quite there. Um, but I also, like, 88, that's the year I got, um... He's the DJ, I'm the rapper, on tape which is the Fresh Prince of, you know, Bel-Air, if you remember him. That was his first album, Will Smith. And I still love that old stuff. I love that stuff to this day. Um, amazing record uh, for what it was. And um, you figure, again, I was in sixth grade at that point, and then, um, again, 88, again, it just kind of just flew by me. I don't remember anything in particular that particular year. Except by now, a lot of people had nintendos a lot of people i didn't have one my parents were like not necessarily against it but i feel like they were like why do you need it they didn't understand you know what was going on with the culture or anything like that um and i was well taken care of i was well looked after like i had nothing to to worry about oh by this point i think i would have been into uh the turtles a little bit too i think Yes, yes, I was in a Ninja Turtles, so I remember Ninja Turtles would have dominated that year a lot. Um, again, <laughs> memories are, are kind of scary. Like, I remember, like, shit about my house from when I was, like, four, but, like, when I was, like, 11, fucking forget it. Must have been all that prepubescent angst, I guess. 89, though, was fucking huge for me. Because I got a Nintendo. And it wasn't just that I got a Nintendo. It was my parents had said, look, if you really want one, you gotta save up. And I did. I saved up all year for a Nintendo. Um, and I had just gotten enough. Like, within like a week or two of, um, like a week or two of uh, Christmas, I had enough. And I was gonna go out after Christmas. My mom promised me, like, we'll go out after Christmas, you can get one. Uh, we want to go ahead and have Christmas. And what I was doing was like saying, all right, mom, I'm going to buy this Nintendo um, for Christmas. After Christmas, hey, can you just go ahead and get me some games? I gave her a list of games. I'll be damned they didn't just say fuck it and buy me the, the Nintendo. They found out my grades were going to be of a high caliber. Um, and so like their thought process was um, not only has he proven he can save his money, um, but he's doing really good in the school. Like he needs to know that this effort will be rewarded and stuff. It was cool. 
So they got me a Nintendo Action Set with the zapper and the whole bit. And they didn't buy me any games, which that's fine. I had money. I could buy my own. So I bought Ninja Gaiden, which was my favorite. I always go to my buddy John's house and play Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Gaiden and uh, Operation Wolf. Because at the time, my logic was sound. It was like, all right, when we buy games, we're going to get one for the... One for the regular plan and one for the zapper. So we get enough to go through the whole thing, right? We're going to we're gonna split up our gameplay. Not Me not knowing that there wasn't like an equal amount of zapper and non-zapper games for Nintendo. Uh, but I got them. And it was so much fun, man. Oh, I remember that year getting a phone call while I was in the living room playing a game from my aunt and uncle. Now not uncle. They're, they're divorced. But my aunt... Um, um, they called me up because they were trying to get through something on Zelda and wanted my help. I'm like, I don't fucking know Zelda. I don't like that game. And it always stuck with me, you know? And I thanked her years and years later uh, by, you know, validating, like, as an adult, like, hey, this is cool. This is, um, it isn't just for kids necessarily. And yes, no hat. No hat. Um, so also by, so 89, that was also my seventh grade year, and that was also the first year I was ever even introduced to the movie A Christmas Story. Now, it was never a tradition in my household, and I didn't actually get to watch that again for a couple years. But that's when that movie started to have a life of its own for me. I was like, oh, this is great! It was a really cool movie and stuff. Um, but, yeah, no. How it goes. Um, and then, like, I was like, well, that's it. Like, I, I think with as a kid... You reach certain plateaus. Like, the first one was, like, having a stereo. And uh, knowing, okay, well, I've got this thing. This is, like, I'm going to focus all my, F, my, my, everything into, like, music and listening to stories and radio and stuff. You know, and then I got the Nintendo. It was, like, it was all about the fucking Nintendo. And you just kind of figure, well, that's, um, that's the plateau. Well, my parents took it to a different level the next year that I really wasn't expecting. 1990, they went fucking shithouse. <laughs> They went absolute fucking shit out. It went crazy on me. Um, and I'll never forget it. It was, it was so generous. Not just in terms of like the volume of what they got me, but like the thoughtfulness of it. Like they were just like, it was just really cool the amount of work they put into it. And I know this sounds really silly. In today's day and age, you got to remember this is before the internet. Mail order, although there, was not something that was very trusted at the time. Uh, you couldn't just mail order anything. You had to rely on the outlets and the stores that were near you, more or less. Um, and there wasn't as many shipping options as there are now, to where if someone you knew were able to find something in a store in a different state or a different country, they couldn't get it to you very quickly. So when it came to getting gifts, like parents really had to go nuts trying to find stuff. Okay. Um, so bear that in mind as I tell you this. So in 1990, the Ninja Turtles had exploded big time. The movie had come out and stuff. The arcade game had come out. The arcade game was amazing. Um, but they also, on hot on the heels of that, developed a NES port for it. Well, it came out, I guess it came out in 89. So 90s when the actual port came out. And it came out at Christmas. It was really, I had never even seen it in a store. I knew it was out. I was like, that's, uh, like, I don't care, like, whatever, like, that's, that's all I want, that, just that. Um, and I said, but if you can't get that, and I gave her a list of all these other games, but if you can't get that, get all these. Uh, 
um, you know, or, or any of these. Basically, what I said was, uh, give me any of these you can, right? Because by then I didn't knew, knew that Santa Claus wasn't really a thing, or at least my parents were picking up most of his slack, right? But I found that out in like 85 or something. I think that's part of why Christmas took on a different meaning for me, because it was like, <sighs> took all the kind of the, the, the wind out of my sails, right? So, uh, spoilers. <laughs> but um, these motherfuckers, they got everything on the list. My mom went from store to store to store to store to store every week and got her hands on a copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game for Super, for, for, rather for NES, which had come out like a week before. And I never knew anyone that had that game for, for like a year because it was so hard to get. It was so hard to come by. Um, but I had it. And it was this cool... I, was, I opened I was like, I was like, oh my God. Like, I can't believe... And, and she thought I was being, like, overreactive, like I was being dramatic by saying that. But it was because I realized how hard she had to have, you know, hit different stores trying to get it. Because, like, I had, I had zero hope of getting that. None. It's like, stop saying that. I'm like, Mom, you don't understand. Like, I know how hard you probably had to work to get that. Like, thank you so much. And I think it was then she realized that I understood the human side of, of, of giving gifts to people is like when you work really hard at something and you present it to them, um, it, there's meaning behind it. And I think she appreciated that. I recognized that <laughs> there was an interesting thing. So they got me like, uh, that and they got me super Mario three, which were the only two games I really, really wanted. Everything else was kind of a bonus, right? Well, by then this is 1990. Games that had come out over the last five years or so were getting really inexpensive. And I had a handful of games at that point, and I was happy. But there were other games I wanted to play. And a lot of them were like 10, 20 bucks at this point, right? My dad went and found all the games I was talking about and just got them all and put them in a big fucking box. Like 11 games. And they were brand new, and they were awesome. Like RC Pro-Am, um... Is Dragon Spirit to stand out? Um, Boy and his Blob, which I still has so much fun that game. Once you once you get used to like the concept of what they're they're, they're doing, it's really cool. Uh, I haven't played the new version yet. I want to. Do I even have it? I think I have it. I have to find out. Do I have this game? Probably yes. Luckily, it's at the top of the list. If it is there, I don't have it. Okay, well it's on sale. Anywho, um, you know I. Those games and a bunch like Codename Viper, which uh, basically all these games were like really fucking great games to play. It wasn't a dud in a bunch, and it like doubled my collection, and I just had so much fun. It was something so so simple, right? Um, but they were just like, it's, you're not asking for that much monetarily from their perspective, uh, and they just they told me that like that's all you wanted. That was easy stuff. There was no harm in it. Boom, there you go. Well. They also got they got me more than they needed to, because they got me the second DJ Jazzy Jeff record called uh, "And in This Corner." My sister had also gotten it for me, and I, I I think there was miscommunication between mom and her, and so when I open it, she my sister was very upset because like that's when I got him. So me being the kind of brother I was, I was like. Mom, can you return this to the store, please? And I took my sister's open, and I says, this is the copy I'm going to keep. And I still have that copy to this day. Uh, it's on a tape. I never listened to it, but I have it over here. Um, 
I have the CDs and stuff. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's weird. Like, I hang, I hang on to all this stuff. Um, it's an odd, like, for me anyway, it, it, it's an interesting exercise in, like, where collection and hoarding kind of cross paths, right? So, um, again, I felt like that was a plateau. And I was wrong again. Because, yeah, I was into music. Yes, I had a tape player. Yes, I had a record player. Uh, the following year was when my parents became aware of how into music I was. And that year, all I wanted, I had a very specific uh, boombox in mind. For those of you who don't know, a boombox is about usually around this big. It's got speakers on both sides. You've got your tape deck or tape decks in the center with a CD player on top. And that was the jam, right? Well, my folks... Um, did not get me the one I actually asked for, and I'm still not sure why. I think they, they found a... Dad did his research with Consumer Reports or something, found out this one was, was better, and whatever. It still was fucking great, and I had it for like six, seven years. No, like eight years, actually. 91, they get me a stereo with a CD player in it, and they got me my first CD. My first CD I ever got was the Black Album, Metallica. And then the day after Christmas, I took all my Christmas money that I had because that was becoming more and more a thing for me at that point as an older uh, person. Uh, you know, being at that point, you know, 14, 15 years old, we went to the, the, the mall and I bought a bunch of CDs. So I had like a whole collection of CDs now of new music and like now the rebellion was being funded. Um, I should not neglect to mention that my paternal grandmother, my mother, my dad's mom, who was the most conservative person I have ever met. She wouldn't really shove it down your throat, but she was one of those very quiet, conservative people, right? Um, she bought me a CD from Skid Row called Slave to the Grind. It's two versions of that record. Censored and uncensored. She bought me the uncensored one. On the back, it has in very clear letters, get the fuck out. Now, did she pick it up and read it? And she's like, is this the one you want? Yes, and she bought it. That was it. All it mattered to her. Is this what you want? Are you happy? Cool. And so I'll never forget, like, every time I listen to Skid Row, I think about my grandma going, there you go, you know, and uh, it was really cool. Because you figure, by this point, I was already into, like, death metal. I was already into grindcore and, and punk and stuff. Um, but because I wasn't, like, going to the mall, per se, at least not that often, I didn't really have the outlet to go get it myself. I had to rely on my, my friends and stuff to like dub it for me and whatnot. Uh, because where we lived in Northern Virginia, we had a, a, the mall was called Potomac Mills. It was a huge mall. It's like a mile long or something. And it's an L shape. And my mom was never down with just dropping me off. And I didn't necessarily want to go, you know. Um, so I was a little bit more focused on video games, even though I loved music. Um, but, you know, having the CD player was like a big deal for me. Um, so, like, it formed so much of who I am from, like, all these things. Um, because it's one thing as the kid to be into something, but to have your family nurture it by saying, well, here, try this. You know, I shouldn't neglect to mention that some, I think it was 85 or 86, I got the, these things called hit sticks that were orange with a yellow rubberized tip, and they were connected to a speaker you put on your belt, and you could hit them off stuff. And it would make a drum sound. And they basically little triggers in them. And uh, by 1990, I had cut the cords off of them, just used them as drumsticks. 
and began practicing with drumsticks in my room, and that later became me becoming a drummer. As many of you know, I, I was a professional drummer for many years. Um, and um, it all started because my parents encouraged me. You know, whether you're getting them something that is materialistic or, or, or thoughtful or anything between, know that it's going to influence them. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and um, and my, my parents influenced my love of comic characters. They influenced my love of pop culture. They influenced my love of science fiction. They influenced my love of film. They influenced my love of experimentation. You know, going back to like the high C thing, they influenced my love of music. They influenced my want to create music. They they were everything. Absolutely everything. And this is just goddamn 1991, right? We're not even like into adult years at all. And I'll give you the highlights. I'm not going to go year to year here. Um, but you figure over the, the following years, like... My folks got me, like, my first leather jacket a couple years later when I had stopped growing, basically. Um, they got me, like, this, the next year they got me a really nice trench coat. And their thought was at the time, they were like, hey, man, look, we love that you have a leather jacket, but it doesn't... At the time, I was working in professional environments in a suit. And they're like, you can't wear a leather jacket with a suit. Here, have this. And I look like a fucking professional badass at 20, man. I'll tell you what. And my parents were really, like, always looking out for me and shit. Um, they'd always get me, like, a new pair of gloves, like, every two years. The Thinsulate gloves were a thing. I still have a pair of them that they got me years ago. Um, you know, um, obviously, like, the socks. Like, Mom, I finally figured out, as an adult, why socks were a thing. It was because there was no other time of year where it was like, here, you need some socks. And she knew I was never going to buy myself socks. I never figured out why, because socks are way too expensive for what they are. I bought socks earlier this year, and I was like, Jesus Christ. I buy socks every year, but still, it's like, fuck me, man. Like, how expensive do socks have to be? Right? Um, but they always had something cool and some unique twist and something extremely thoughtful um, to give. Like, uh, my parents would give, for a long time, they would give a uh, Christmas ornament every year. Um, something to commemorate that year for me personally. Like, I had a Batman one year, I had like a Ninja Turtle one year, uh, music notes when I started taking music more seriously. Then every year, like, Hallmark would do like, for a while it was Star Trek, then it became Star Wars. I've got all of those. I've got the Enterprise A, the Enterprise D, I've got... Romulan ship, and I've got the Klingon bird of prey. I've got them all. Still have them. Um, just little things, like stuff that, like, like really uh, just commemorates parts of your life. Kool Aid here says, My mom bought me the OJ Simpson gloves before OJ made them popular. <laughs> made them popular with them not fitting. If they're not fitting, why are you acquitting? I'm just, hmm. Cheers to that, though. Isotoners, man. Legit gloves, bro. Uh, bet you could probably sell them now. I'm like, I got isotoners. Same brand OJ used. Someone would be like, oh, I want those. You know, 
I'm not sure why any of you are speaking like that, but you are in this case. So, um, um, so if you fast forward to, um, And you figure by then we're we're into like ninety eight, ninety seven time frame, um, and there was again always cool stuff like little ornaments and trinkets and whatnot, and uh, by ninety nine things were not so great for the grindhead man. Um, I had moved out of the house, I um, I wasn't doing well financially, and was uh, by that point homeless. My parents didn't know that. Um, I was living out of my car. Uh, I remember a particularly generous family of friends. I just showed up to their house out of nowhere. Um, and I said, Hey, like, I'm really sorry. Can I, uh, can I use your shower? And I showered at their place and, uh, they washed my clothes, they gave me breakfast, and then sent me on my way to have a good Christmas with my family. And um, It was just a few months later that, um, like two months later, in fact, that I was, it was, I couldn't, I couldn't live anymore on the street. It was too cold. Uh, there was nowhere to squat. There was nowhere to stay. Um, and that's when I decided to join the military and move back home. And that was another shift in like how holidays in general worked with my family because that that year, I wouldn't know it at the time. That was the last Christmas that I'd ever have with my dad. And uh, it was a good one. Because he and I had stopped arguing. He and I were getting along. I was moving forward in my life. He had a huge weight off of his shoulders. My mother felt secure. Like, for the first time at that point, in a very long time, my whole family were all, like, firing all cylinders. Things were good. Although my dad lived to see the following uh, Christmas in 2001. Um, and we did celebrate it to a point. It, it wasn't the same. Um, he came home after Christmas. It was, he died on the 29th of December. Most of the things that I take that back. Everything that had been gotten for him for Christmas, um, for the most part, I inherited right then and there. Um, I took on a lot of his stuff that year. And, it, and, you know, from a Christmas bounty standpoint, that was a lot. I got all his Steelers gear, which at the time fit doesn't fit me anymore. Um, and uh, for me, that was it. For me, that was the end. As far as I was concerned, that was it. Um, that's the first time I'm admitting that out loud. I was like, well, if Dad can't have Christmas, I'm not having it either. Now, I've put up a tree since. I have celebrated with family since. But it's never been the same, to be honest. 
Um, the next year was my daughter's first Christmas, and I was happy to let it be about her. Um, like I was happy to give Christmas to people. I wasn't a real big fan of receiving it anymore. Uh, by that point, I was in my first marriage. I had a nephew from marriage. He really, 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 really wanted like a PS2, PlayStation 2. And I advocated hard for him to get it that year. Um, I was like, fuck it, like let him have it. And it was because I, I encouraged him and said it was harmless that he got it. And he was very happy about that. Um, and then the next year, like I said, was my daughter's first Christmas. Um, no, 2003. What the fuck am I thinking? I'm sorry. Um, 2002 was weird because a year after he was gone. Um, I know we went home, but I don't remember any of it. Probably because it was very painful. Um, I don't mean to bring stuff down, you know, but, you know, and then you figure by 2003, when my daughter was born, I got divorced after that. And I, by the end of the year, met the person I would marry later, my second wife. And she went home with me that year. Did we even go home that year? Yeah, we did. We did, because that was Maddie's first Christmas. Um, and then we also spent with her family. So I had a bunch of different um, things happen. So it was cool, but Jen didn't take Christmas as seriously as I did. Although, you know, just a few things, you know. Her parents got stuff, we got stuff for them, vice versa, etc. But there was just something about the way the holiday felt that kind of died when my dad died. And uh, so I started looking a lot more... I looked at it less about like the celebration and more about what you were supposed to be celebrating. And I decided over time, especially after my first divorce, I needed to spread that out throughout the year, okay? Um, for me, the holidays are about appreciating people, making sure they know that you appreciate them, making sure that you take the time to tell the people you love that you love them. Sometimes that means giving them a fucking fruitcake. Sometimes it means giving them a hug. Sometimes it means just showing up like you guys do. Um, sometimes that means just them knowing you're there. And although this is a really great time of year to emphasize that and accentuate that, you need to do that every single day because the gifts you give people influence them whether you know it or not. So give someone a gift this year. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. That's what's in Grind Ted Podcast this week. I'll talk to you next time. Cheers.